Amen. Excited to be in God's house today as always. I got to tell you, man, worship was just amazing. I appreciate our worship team. Can you just, can you give them a, just a clap, a, a shout, a whistle or whatever you got in you, just an appreciation of their faithfulness, man. What an awesome job leading us into the presence of God today. And I'll tell you what, it makes it a whole lot easier to get up here and preach when you've got a, an intro like that. Amen. We're so excited. Are you glad to be in God's house this morning? Amen. I'm telling you, you came in ready. You're excited. And, uh, you know, it's nice and brisk outside, and you're uh, hopefully enjoying a little bit of, of cold weather this week. I tell you, I said it last week, I cannot get used to what's going on in Florida right now. Um, we are the very definition of bipolar. We have, you know, we have highs and lows. We're going to be 90 degrees by Wednesday. So if you don't like it, just a couple more days, and you'll have uh, swimsuit weather. Amen? All right. Some of you are like, yeah. You know, others are, no, you know, I hate the heat. Uh, but we're so excited this week. want to continue, or not want to continue, we're going to kick off a new uh, series uh, for the month of March. We're, so if you're here for the first time, we want to welcome you to Found Life Church. Um, you've come at just the right time. You're here for the perfect time because you get to get in on the start of our new series. But um, I want to just, uh, if it's okay with you, I want to just talk with you a little bit this morning. Is that all right? All right. I'm going to do it anyway. And, you know, it's going to be a whole lot better the more involved you are. And it makes me feel a whole lot better. So let's get involved a little bit this morning, right? I I can't see past the second row, people. As far as I know, it's completely empty unless you say something to me. All right. Amen. Amen. So we're going to get into God's word this morning. We're going to get right to it. We're starting a new series uh, for the month of March called The Kingdom. That sounds very ominous, very big, and, and the kingdom. What does it mean, the kingdom? We hear this, uh, this, we hear this phrase throughout the Gospels, and really, in the Gospel of Matthew, we really see this idea presented of the kingdom. But very few of us maybe have thought about it, we don't understand, and we just assume things about the kingdom. And so we want to take a closer look uh, over the next uh, couple weeks. We want to cl- take a closer look at the kingdom and what that means for our lives. So if you have your Bible, if you want to turn with me to Matthew, Matthew, the sixth chapter. We're going to be in the book of Matthew uh, for the entire month, and we're going to bounce around to some different places. So just kind of keep uh, Matthew earmarked in your Bible or in your smartphone or whatever device that you have. And if you didn't bring anything, that's okay. They're going to have the scripture up on the screen for you this morning. But we're going to start looking at this idea of the kingdom. In John, the third chapter, we see this idea of the kingdom introduced by none other, or not in John, but in Matthew, the, the third chapter. Thank you for correcting me. Um, it, we see this idea that John the Baptist introduces this idea of the kingdom. Now, we know John the Baptist as being the cousin of Jesus. He's really the, uh, he's the, the guy that kind of tills the ground. He's the guy that prepares the way uh, for Jesus. He gets people ready for the Messiah. He's kind of uh, the, you know, pointing towards, he's the, the, the trailers before the main event, right? He's the, the undercard before uh, the main event gets here. And so we see John the Baptist, and he says in, in the third chapter, he makes this statement to those who are followers of John and those who have been around him. And he, he makes this statement in the third chapter in the second verse. He says, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And so John introduces this idea to the people of the kingdom. Now, at this point, they're very excited about the kingdom. They've been living under Roman oppression, which we'll talk about later. But they're very excited about this idea. They've been looking. They've been praying for the Messiah for a long time. And the, the Jewish people, they understand uh, persecution, and they, they also understand redemption, and they've gone through this cycle as we see in the Old Testament, and even back to the Egyptian days, the, the days in Egypt, and, and persecution there, and Moses, the deliverer, coming. So they're looking for the, the Messiah. They're looking for their new deliverer. And so John the Baptist announces that, hey, the kingdom is coming. The, the kingdom, this thing that you've been praying for, it's on its way. And then we see Jesus appears and Jesus comes. And then all of a sudden we see in the fourth chapter, 
Very interestingly, in the fourth chapter, in the 17th verse, after Jesus has been baptized in John and, and he's beginning his ministry, he's beginning to, to start doing what he came to this earth to do. Now, he spent 30 years on the earth prior to this, but now is the appointed time where, where he is going to begin the work that would lead to the end. He's beginning this journey that ultimately would lead to victory for us, but death for him. And so he's beginning this journey, and he begins it here in in the 17th verse of chapter 4. And he says, from then on, Jesus began to preach. From then on, Jesus began to preach. Jesus had one sermon, and this is it. So imagine going to that church where every Sunday you get the same sermon. That'd be weird, I think, right? Or maybe I could do that every week. I don't know. (laughs) Imagine, you know, Jesus has this one sermon. You guys got to lighten up in here. Maybe my jokes just aren't good yet. You just, we got to get started. We got to prime the pump a little bit. Maybe, you know, start a little bit. We'll get there. Don't worry. It takes me a little while sometimes as well, you know? We try things out. It doesn't work. So Jesus says, Jesus begins to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God. We've heard this before. For the kingdom of heaven is near. So Jesus is now beginning his ministry. He's beginning to preach that now this idea, this concept, the kingdom is near. It's on its way. He's preparing them. This idea, this thought of the kingdom, this thing that you've prayed for, the kingdom is coming. Oh, wow, what an ominous and wonderful thought that the kingdom of here, but is here. But who knows what this kingdom is? Who knows what this kingdom looks like? But he says, from then on, he began to preach the kingdom of heaven is near. His primary message, his primary focus is this idea of the kingdom. And so it stands to reason that we as believers today, we might take a look at it. We we might want further study because this message of the kingdom is pervasive throughout the gospel of Matthew. And when he says the kingdom of heaven, now Matthew records it as the kingdom of heaven because in Jewish culture in that day, they were not allowed to say the name of God. And so he did not say the kingdom of God. He would say the kingdom of heaven because he would have offended the the Jewish people of that day because they did not speak the name of God. And so he says the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is near. It's on its way. It's soon coming. This thing that you've prayed for and believed for, it it is on its way. And so the greatest preacher in history, Jesus Christ, The greatest orator, the one who delivers the best message, his primary focus, his primary message is this idea of the kingdom. He wants us to know what it is that the kingdom is. He wants us to know what the kingdom is and how it affects our lives. And so when we skip forward to Matthew, the sixth chapter, and if you have a moment, turn over to Matthew, the sixth chapter, he begins his first message. We know this message is the the Sermon on the Mount. It's his, it's his big debut, man. It's the opening act. It's, it's Jesus, and he's there in front of the crowds of people, and, and he's speaking the Beatitudes and these things, and, and he's, he's delivering this incredible message to his people. And so he gets towards the end of it. He gets towards the conclusion of it, and he's winding this thing down. He's, he's kind of on his second closing, right? He's like, okay, we're, I'm going to close in just five minutes. Just give me my five more minutes, all right? He's doing the, he's doing the typical preacher thing. And it, we're here at his first big message in verse 31 through 33. And he says, so don't worry about these things. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God. Now he can say God because he's Jesus, amen. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Now it's amazing in this scripture that if we're not careful, we'll We'll glance right over it. If we're not careful, we, we won't see the meaning in the message and we'll, we'll skip this and we'll take it just as it is. And like, oh, great, you know, we're not going to need anything. Oh, that's wonderful. That's a great concept. But I don't know how that really applies to my day, 
days and today because there are things that I definitely need and trials and tribulations that I definitely go through. And so for you to say that, Jesus, I don't know if it's applicable to this day and age, but he's very clear. Seek the kingdom. Seek the kingdom. And it's amazing to me how good, this is how good Jesus is, is that this sermon is preached something like 2,000 years ago, right? 2000, if we're to believe you know, our time stamp thing, like 2,020 years ago, right? And yet, it so perfectly describes some of our lives today. It's so perfectly. How did Jesus know that the questions that would dominate our thoughts, the questions that would distract us today, would be what he would say years ago would be the same things that we, are, that we question and dominate our thoughts today? What are those? Well, it's very simple. What are we going to eat? Where'd you eat? Where'd you go? Where are we going to eat? What are we going to do? Anybody like that? I mean, when I was growing up in Texas, we used to say it like this. They would say, like, jeet yet? It was like all one word, jeet, like J-E-E-T, like jeet yet? You want to? Yeah, let's go. You know, where are we going to go? You know, that don't, how many of you, man, you're going to have this same problem in about mm, 45 minutes-ish, depending on how long I go. Uh, you're going to have this same problem when you leave. The, where are we going to go? We're going to go to the Cracker Barrel? Mm, that's nice, but I don't know if I'm ready for the Cracker Barrel. I might want something like Carabas. Anybody want some Carabas? I know I'm pronouncing it all kind of wrong. Every Italian is, like, mad at me, but that's how I do it. Maybe you could go for, for something a little simpler. Maybe we got some folks in here. Maybe, maybe you like something like uh, Zaxby's or something like that. I don't know. I'm just trying to think. Or maybe the Applebee's. That's gonna, and see, we start to, like, these are the dominant decisions, and, and we're going to leave right out of here, and then we're going to immediately, these are the questions that are going to dominate our life. They're going to dominate our thoughts. See, we have that question, and then we have the other question, the huge question, right? And that's, what am I going to wear? My wife deals with this every Sunday. What are we going to wear today? What am I going to wear today? I don't know. Go in your closet. You have a giant closet. It's full of stuff. I don't know. I've got nothing to wear. What are you going to wear today? Some of you, man, you guys need to wake up, man. It's, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know this struggle, man. What am I going to wear today? I don't know. I don't know. I've got nothing. I've got to make a trip to Ross. I don't know. I've got to make a trip to TJ Maxx. I've got nothing to wear. This dominates our thoughts, and Jesus knew that these things would distract us. So how much time and energy and anguish goes into these questions? And I think more so Jesus is speaking to the idea of these distractions. Jesus said these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. They dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. So as believers, we're supposed to, we're supposed to think about different things. See, we're not supposed to worry about these things. Believers have something better. Well, what's that something better? The kingdom. That's what he's talking about is this idea of the kingdom. I wonder sometimes how often, see, we allow these distractions in our life, and it could be anything. Maybe for you, you're not worried about where you're going to eat. Maybe you're not worried about what you're going to wear, but there are other things that distract you in your life. And see, what happens is we sacrifice the, the valuable for the immediate, we sacrifice, and what Jesus is talking about is don't let, don't let those trivial things, don't let those things that are your immediate needs, what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, don't let them distract from what's valuable. Don't let them distract from the truth. Don't let them distract from the real things in your life that I want to do for you. Don't let them distract. See, how does that work? See, we allow the, we allow the immediate to distract from the valuable. How does that work? Well, the valuable is our devotion time, maybe our prayer and our study time. But so often we allow the immediate need of maybe catching up on some of our shows to distract from what's valuable in our life. See, we got to get caught up on, on what's going on on This Is Us, right? We got to get caught up on what's going on on Knott's Landing. That's not a, that's a throwback. I don't even know where that came from. I'm going to be honest with you. But I remember, next thing I know, we got to get caught up on Dynasty, you know. <laughs> Who shot Jr? <laughs> like I'm going, I'm throwing it way back to the 80s. Where did that come from? I don't know, but it's all right. But we get caught up in, in these things like, what, what's going on? I got to get caught up on my shows. I got to get caught up on my stories. I got to get caught up on these things. And we allow those to distract from the valuable. We allow those to distract. See, for the valuable, the valuable might be spending time with your kids. But see, we allow the immediacy of a phone call from work to distract from what's valuable in spending time with our children. 
See, the Bible says train up a child in the way that they should go. But see, we can't train up a child if we're always on. We can't train up a child if, if we're allowing the immediate to distract from what's valuable. If we're allowing the immediacy of, of the distraction of what we feel like is important at the time to distract from what's valuable. See, God wants us to get our minds back on what's valuable, back on the kingdom. See, we allow the immediacy, immediacy of life to distract from the kingdom. And he's saying, no, 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 don't worry about those distractions. See, how many times do we allow things to distract us from what God really has for us? And not only what he has for us, but what he wants to do through us. See, God wants to do a work. He's offering the kingdom. Christ was offering the kingdom. And see, we were, we were too often distracted by social media likes. We get too often distracted by Facebook. Listen, it is a great distraction, right? We want to see all of the crazy things that, that happen. Did you guys know that one of the boats at the Jungle Cruise sank this week at Disney? Like, it was amazing. They had a band playing and everything, and there was Jack on the door over here. And, and I mean, I mean, it was just, it was like the Titanic. It dominated the thoughts of everybody. The Jungle Cruise, man, all those lives lost. And people were, you know, going crazy. And then all of a sudden, we had a, a crash with the people mover. <gasps> What's happening? And oh, my goodness, the coronavirus. We are losing our minds distracted. We are distracted from what God has for us. And God is saying, hey, listen, do not worry about those things. Those who are in Christ, do not worry about those things. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're, what you're going to wear. Don't worry about these little distractions because I have something so much bigger for your life. I've got something so much better for your life. Seek the kingdom. Christ is offering the kingdom, and yet we're allowing these distractions of the enemy. We're allowing the, the distractions of the enemy to, to take us away from what God has for us. He says, seek the kingdom above all else. Well, what is the kingdom? The kingdom is that work, and I'll go ahead and tell you, the kingdom is the work that God wants to do in us and through us. See, Christ brought the kingdom, and he wants to do a work in you. See, it's the kingdom in you that he wants to go through you to do a work in this world. Amen? He wants to use you to make a difference in this community. When we look around and we see all the, the horrific things and the, the tragedies of this life, see, you were meant to make a difference. You were meant to have the kingdom do a work in you and then you to do a work in the kingdom. But see, we get distracted. See, the kingdom to the Jews meant something different. See, they were looking, the Jews were, were seeking the kingdom, yes, but in the New Testament context, they didn't understand. See, what they were looking for was a military coup. They were under Roman occupation and had been for some time, and they were tired of that. And much like occupation with the Egyptians, they were not slaves, but yet they were taxed heavily and oppressed daily. And so they were looking for a military coup, man. They were looking for a general. They were looking for somebody. When they, when they heard this idea of the kingdom, they were thinking big. This is our moment. Even the disciples, even the disciples we see later on as Jesus tells them of his impending death, they would not believe it because they thought that they were going to ride in triumphant and they were going to overthrow Jerusalem and everything was going to go back to the way it should be. They were looking for this big thing. See, they couldn't comprehend. So many of them missed out on the Messiah because they couldn't comprehend what they were looking for was the next big thing, not the next God thing. And see, Jesus, see, he could have come as a military leader. He could have come as a general. He could have come just, you know, on a cloud and there could have been angels. He could have brought all sorts of, you know, militant, big angels like ripped jack dudes. You know what I mean? Not, not guys like me, like really big guys. You know what I'm saying? You're not sure whether to laugh or not. <laughs> he could have. He could have came on a cloud of glory. He is both man and both God. And he could have came and all of this, but he chose to come as a baby. See, they couldn't see him because they were too busy looking for something big. They were too busy looking for the next big thing. See, he chose to come as something that was small. He chose to come as something that was vulnerable. He chose to come as something that took time to grow and to mature. 
See, is it any wonder that Christ took time, that he chose to come as an infant, and he chose to come as something small? The kingdom comes as something that is small. The kingdom comes as something that is vulnerable. But if we're careful, if we're not careful, we're going to miss it because we're too busy looking for something big. We're too busy looking for the next big thing, and we miss out on the next God thing. See, how often does this happen in our lives that we're so busy praying for? God, I just pray that you would send somebody to just uh, write me a check and eliminate my debt. Amen. Woo, hallelujah. That's the time you shout right there. God, I'm, I'm praying. God, I tell you what, Lord, I'm going to go in here. I'm going to buy this lottery ticket. And, and I, God, I'm just praying that the Holy Spirit would be in this lottery ticket. And Lord, you know that I would not only pay off my bills, but God, I would give to the church. I'll pay off the church too, Lord. Woo, hallelujah. It's all right if you do that. No. I always encourage you. I don't encourage the lottery, but if you do play the lottery, yeah, I encourage you to pay your tithes if you win. <laughs> but see, we're, we're so busy looking for the next God thing. Lord, I want immediate healing. Lord, I want a miracle. I want this. I want that. I want these big things. And if we're not careful, that follows us into the church. And so often church people are looking for the next big thing. They're looking for the next mega church. And pastors, I want to be the next Stephen Furtick. I want to be the next Tony Evans. I want to be the next this. I want to be the next that. And we're looking for the next big thing. We're missing out on the next God thing. And see, we're looking for big things. And God is saying, my things start as small. My things start in infancy. They start in vulnerability and they grow. See, if we're not careful, we're going to miss out on what God wants to do in your life because it doesn't look like the things, uh, the maturity that you see in other people's lives. But see, you're not, you're, you're not recognizing the seed that God has planted in your life. And see, God wants to do something big in the kingdom by starting in something small in you and I. Does that make sense? That's a good time to say Amen. See, God wants to use us. He wants to use just regular dudes. See, I'm nobody from nowhere, but God has said, I want to bring, seek the kingdom first. And see, that small seed of the kingdom that I plant in you, it's going to grow. And it's going to do big things. See, but if we're not careful, we'll be looking for the next big thing. We'll miss out on the God thing. When God doesn't show up like we think he should. When God doesn't show up like a military leader, when God doesn't show up and strike down our enemies and God, I don't know why you don't just uh, strike my boss with, you know, shingles or something terrible. Like, God, you see how they persecute me. And we're wanting God to do the next big thing, but God's saying, no, 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 no. I want to use you to love them to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you love them to a relationship with Jesus Christ, it'll change their heart and it'll change the way they act. And there lies your, your problem solving with your boss. How many of you pray for your boss? I encourage you, pray for your boss. Pray for the leadership. Man, not a whole lot of hands there. Let me encourage you this week. Pray for those who are above you. See, God wants to do a work in their life just like he does a work in your life. See, it starts small. It doesn't always look like we think it should look. See, we're seeking the next big thing. So we're, we're, we're busy seeking the big things that God can do for us. We miss the small work that God wants to do in us and through us. What am I talking about? How do we know this? Well, in Matthew, the 13th chapter, if you'll bounce with me over there, Jesus he, he's preached the Sermon on the Mount, and now he's introduced this idea of seek the kingdom. Seek the kingdom. Be kingdom-minded. Whatever you're doing, don't get distracted. Don't get distracted by what you're going to eat. Don't get distracted by what you're going to drink. Seek the kingdom. Everywhere you go, whether you're a dentist, be a kingdom-minded dentist. If you're, if you're a doctor, be a kingdom-minded doctor. If you're a lawyer, be a kingdom-minded lawyer. Praise God. Amen. If whatever it is that, that you do, if you're a teacher, be a kingdom-minded teacher. Don't get distracted by all those little kids that you want to slap. It's all right. I love kids. Mine, mostly. But every now and again, you know, you meet that one kid that just wants to try you. I'm going to leave it right there. <laughs> I got some of our, I've got some of our daycare staff in here, and they're like, amen, <laughs> you know. Kingdom-minded, seek the kingdom. Don't get distracted by the things of this world. Don't get distracted by those things that don't matter. Don't get distracted by those things that, that the enemy wants you to think that they mean so much in your life. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 seek the kingdom. 
And I want to do a work in you and through you. And so we see him in Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the farmer. See, Jesus begins to talk in parables. He uses these stories, which are things that are applicable to the people of that day and age. It was an agricultural society. And so he spoke in terms that they could understand. See, too often I think that we've got pastors and preachers then that they want to show you how great and how wonderful that, that they can talk about terms like theology and eschatology and all of these things and all of these ologies out there, but yet the people don't understand a word that they're saying. See, Jesus broke it down for them and he said, no, I'm going to put it in terms and stories and ways that you can understand because the message is more important than the method. And I want to do something inside of you. I want to do something in your life that changes you at your core. And so he begins to, to talk about this parable of the farmer. And we see him preaching and this parable of the seeds and how the farmer begins to scatter seed. Once again, see, when, if you know anything about seed, and I know very little, but I do know that my grandfather, my grandfather had a farm growing up. And we would go to my grandfather's house, and he had just a small five-acre farm, and he would have corn and, and different things. And it was amazing to me when I would see the different seeds of the plants and how they would grow, and they would become these, these big things with vegetables and all that stuff, and these huge like rows and stalks of, of corn. But yet, you see the seed that he planted, and it's just this little thing. It's just this little, tiny, vulnerable thing. It's this vulnerable uh, seed that, that he's talking about, this little thing that, that he's planting in our lives, this little thing that, that he wants to do in us. And it's not anything big. It's not anything big like what it looks like, but it takes growth. It takes time. It takes maturity to develop. And so we see him, and he's talking about this farmer that scatters seed, and some, some seed falls on the footpath, and the enemy snatches it up. Some seed falls on rocky soil. Other seed falls among the thorns. And then there's the seed that falls on good soil. And he relates it, the, the kingdom, to this seed. He begins preaching about the kingdom, which is in reference to this small, vulnerable thing. See, when we think of the kingdom, we think of this big, and the Jews at the time, they were thinking of this big military operation. And sometimes when we think of a move of God, and we think of a work of God, and we think of men overtaking the city, we think of this big, huge thing. But God's saying, no, 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 it begins as a seed. See, Found Life Church, we're not the biggest church in the area. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't want to do something incredible to win the city of Winter Garden, of Oakland, of Claremont, of Ocoee, that he doesn't want to do something big in this church and through this church. See, again, too often we're looking to the big things. See, too often we look to, to other, to the big mega churches and say, well, let them do it. They're more equipped to do it. You know, we can't compete with them. I've, I've heard that before. We can't compete with them. This is not a competition. God is wanting us to do something. God is wanting individuals. This is an individual thing that God is wanting to do in our lives. He's wanting to do something in you and so that he can do something through you. And so Christ is, is transferring this message of seeds that represent the kingdom that, that Christ has placed inside of us. And he says the kingdom of heaven is like. Notice he didn't refer to himself. Christ now in this instant has become the conduit. He's become this relationship person. He's ushered in the kingdom and made possible this kingdom connection. And he's established this pathway of God doing a work in us so that he can do a work through us. He's established now that the kingdom of heaven is like and, and this idea that God wants to place something in the lives of every individual that he wants to grow to maturity that will benefit the rest. And he's become this relational, uh, this pathway. He's opened up this pathway in us. And it begins with something that seems so small. The kingdom in us and us in the kingdom. This idea, this concept that seems so small. But what begins to happen? See, he begins to explain this parable further. And as the disciples are confused, and it's the same thing that happens in our own life. See, distractions begin to happen. Things happen, and as he puts this soil, and right now, you know, he's throwing out seeds, and he's throwing out seeds to each one of us, and, and how you react is, is how he wants, what's going to happen in your life. And see, he begins to explain this parable to the disciples in Matthew, the 13th chapter, and the 18th verse. 
And he says, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. Now listen to the explanation about the parable of the farmer planting seeds. And he says in verse 19, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. See, what begins to happen in, in some of our lives is our, our heart has become so hard that it can't break through. That this message of love, this gospel of truth, this gospel, this idea that, that God loves you and has a plan and a purpose for your life, it cannot break through because the enemy has, has hardened your heart. You've allowed for pain, for hurt, for things to harden you for so long. That you can't even hear that somebody loves you. You can't even fathom that, that somebody is willing to forgive you of the mistakes that you made. But see, Christ is saying, God wants, to, God wants to pour out his love. He wants to plant this seed of love and forgiveness in your heart, but it can't break through. It can't break through because you've allowed yourself to get hard. You've allowed the enemy to, to make it to where you, can't, you won't even hear the message you can't comprehend the truth, and the truth is that God loves you and he has a plan for your life. The truth is that God loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son that no one would perish, but that all would have everlasting life. See, God sent his very best for you, but too often we allow the hardness of our heart to snatch away the seed, to keep us from understanding, to keep us from what God wants to do in your life. And there are those of you that you have been living your life this way, hard, not allowing God to do a work, but he wants to, he wants to do a work in your life this morning if you allow it. See, the enemy comes, and before you even have a chance, says before you even have a chance to grow, before it even has a chance to get planted in your life, the enemy come and he comes and he snatches away the seed. Then in verse 20, he goes on to say, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. See, this is where conviction begins to come in because there are those people that, man, you come in here and you're, you're awesome on Sunday, man. You, you're so about it on Sunday and, and you love what the preacher is saying and, and you'll give me my hand clap and you'll give me just, you know, an amen and you're an amen on Sunday, but something goes wrong on Monday and you're cursing on Monday. See, you receive the word with joy but then what happens is life begins to happen. Immediately you get in the car and all of a sudden your kids are acting crazy. All of a sudden you remember that you've got bills. You remember that you've got to go to a job tomorrow that you hate because you've got a boss that hates you, you feel like. You know that you're going to be persecuted. You know that you're going to have problems. You know that you're going to have these uh, relationships and things that you have to deal with. You know that later on Sunday is your day that your mom's going to call you and then you've got to listen to your mom tell you about how you're not raising your kids right Nobody in here knows about that. But see, life's problems begin to happen. And let me tell you something, that if you allow the enemy to take your seed, if you allow the enemy to take the truth of God's word and what he wants to do in your life on Sunday, and you allow him to take it from you on Monday, he is always going to make sure that there is a distraction in your life. He is always going to make sure that there is something in your life that keeps you in problems, that keeps you persecuted, that keeps you in the place that you're at right now, that keeps you from putting down roots. See, God is saying, no, no, no. I want you to get rooted in my word. I want you to get rooted in my relationship. I want you to get rooted in the kingdom so that I can do a work, not only in your life, but in the lives of others. But too often, man, we allow what happens on Monday to stop us from what God wants to do in our lives. See, God has an incredible plan and purpose for the lives of every single one of us. But how often are we allowing the problems, the distractions, the things of this world to get in the way, to distract, to get in the way of God wants us to do what, what he has and what he wants us to do? See, we hear the God's word, but we don't react to it. 
We hear what what the word says and we hear what God wants us to do, what he's called us to do. And we hear, you know, you guys hear messages from me talking about how God wants us to, to serve and get involved. And God wants you to invite people to church. And then we leave here. And man, it all sounds so good. But instead of seeking the kingdom when we leave here, instead of seeking what God has for us, we just kind of get involved in other things. We just kind of get distracted, right? We kind of let other things happen. And so we don't put legs under it. So it just begins to wither away. And then we wonder why it is that we're always living on the edge of this fear and anxiety. Why we're always living on the edge of depression. Why we're always living on the edge. It's because we don't have roots. It's because we're not getting stronger in the faith. You wonder why it is that you're always feeling defeated. Well, it's because you're not strong enough to withstand the trials of the enemy because you're not putting down roots. You're not seeking the kingdom first. You're being distracted by other things. Verse 22. He continues. Jesus says the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. See, you wonder why. Your walk doesn't look like other people's walk. Why is it that they walk in such faith? Why is it that they always got a smile on their face? I'm over here struggling like, like I can't do anything. Like, like man, I, I've never even opened the Bible. Like, why is it that, God, why is it that things seem to work out for them? But I'm over here and, and I'm like Alexander in the no good, terrible, horrible day, whatever that, I don't know where that came from, but whatever that is, it speaks to me. It has my namesake, but You feel like that. It's like, man, every day I'm struggling just to get up, God. And yet these people over here, man, their walk looks so good. And it looks like it appears like they they don't have problems. But see, we allow the message and the lure of wealth. We allow the, the message of the crowd and the worries of this life. See, if you allow it to, if you allow social media to, to crowd your life, man, we are bombarded on all sides with messages of worry, fear, and anxiety. It is nonstop. The enemy has gotten so good at controlling everything that you take into your spirit. Think about it for a second. You look, you can open your phones right now. Don't do it, but... You can, and you can look on social media, and right now, every other message is something that points you towards fear, something that points you to, whether it's the election, whether what's going to happen with Trump or all these other people, and and what's going to happen with the coronavirus, and and what's going to happen with this, and what's going to happen with that, what's going to happen in the Middle East, what's going to happen over here, we're at war with this one, we're at war with that one. And see, the message and the worries of this life are prevalent. And if you allow it, it'll choke out the seed of the kingdom that God wants to do in your life. See, God has the answer and we are the answer. And so as we look at these things, we don't have to worry as other people worry. I'll tell you right now, and I was telling somebody this morning, uh, we booked a cruise this week. We need a vacation. My family needs a vacation. Come on, somebody relate. I'm saying it, it is the season. It's like 40 degrees outside. I'm like, listen, my body needs the Bahamas ASAP. I need sandy beaches. You know what I mean? And so we booked a cruise, and man, my wife was like, I was like, well, I don't know about going on a cruise. You want to book a cruise with coronavirus out there right now? I'm like, man, if the Lord wants to take me out with corona, okay, I can, you know, I can head out whenever he wants me to. You know, I fully expect that it's going to be a motorcycle accident at age 80. But if he wants to take me before, then so be it. My life is his. I don't worry about tomorrow because my life is in his hands. See, I don't fear that. And so, man, I'll take advantage of that last second opportunity where they're going to give me a whole big deal on the cruise because I don't walk by sight. I walk by faith. Amen. See, there are those of you that the enemy is trying to crowd out this seed of the kingdom. The, the enemy's trying to crowd out what God wants to do in your life. He's trying to crowd out your message. He's trying to crowd you out when you go to work and you want to start talking about the kingdom and you want to start talking about the love of Jesus Christ. He wants to drown you out with the PC culture that says you can't talk about Jesus in the workplace. Let me tell you something. As long as there is freedom of speech in America and this country that I love, I can talk about Jesus anywhere I want to. 
There is nobody that is going to stop me from talking about the kingdom anywhere. See, we allow the worries of this life. We allow the message of the crowd to tell us that we can't talk about the love that Jesus has for my friends, for those people in this, this world that I love, those people that God has sent me here for. See, don't let the worries of this life, don't let the worries of PC culture crowd you out and take the seed of the kingdom that God wants to use you in your workplace. See, God, wants, God has a plan and a purpose for why you're at where you are. See, the word says that the steps of the righteous are ordered of him. And you think that you got this crappy job just by accident. But God's saying, no, there's a whole lot of sinners there. And I want to use you as a light in the darkness to talk about Christ's love and the kingdom. And come on, somebody. Is there anybody out there that you can witness this morning? I'm about to blow my voice out here. Y'all got to get with me this morning. I'm telling you, this is good stuff. We can't have our kingdom in his kingdom. It's got to be just his kingdom. This morning, the two are mutually exclusive. And then as the musicians come, he says, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. See, God wants to do a work in you. And see, we're busy looking around and thinking, well, that's the preacher's responsibility. That's the pastor's responsibility. Let me tell you something right now. This pastor right here, I'm not good enough to grow this church. I'm not, man. There are better speakers. There are better theologians. There are people that are so much better, have great entertainment value, better looking, dress better, all that stuff. I'm not good enough to grow this church. God's not just going to use me to grow this church, but God wants to use the work that he's doing in your life if you let him. See, if we allow God to plant his message of the kingdom in good soil, see, if we fertilize it, if we nurture it, if we seek first the kingdom, if we seek first his word, if we seek first a relationship See, there's no telling what God will do and how he will use us to impact this world. To impact those around us. To spread this message and this gospel of the kingdom. See, we're looking for God to do big things through big people. Let me tell you something right now. God does not need to save celebrities for us to have revival in this country. Like, I'm all for it. I watched a video last night with my kids of Justin Bieber and the amazing transformation in his life of what God's really doing. And I'm praying for him and I'm praying that God uses him in a miraculous way. But the same spirit, the same love, the same kingdom mindedness that is in him is in me. And God can use me just like he'll use him. See, God will use you. Because there are people in your life that only you can speak to. God has a purpose for your life, and it is a kingdom purpose. And you might think, man, I just, I just work construction. I just, I just work installing windshields, or I just work as a hairstylist. Well, be a kingdom-minded hairstylist. You have a place in the kingdom. The kingdom has a place in you. And what begins as a seed, if you let it, God will let it grow into something big. God will use you in ways you never thought possible. If you allow it, if you stay connected to the kingdom. See, there is nobody that is too small. God said, listen, I specialize in the small. Christ said, I, I came as a small, vulnerable infant, and I am both God and man. I came as something small, but developed into the Savior of the world. See, God has placed that same spirit into each and every one of you. God has placed that same ability, that same love, that same purpose. The kingdom, the kingdom that is in you. That God wants to do a work through you. To spread his love to a lost and dying and broken world. If you'll allow it. If you'll open your heart, if you'll open your mind, if you'll open yourself to say, God, I want to seek the kingdom above everything else. 
God, don't let me get distracted by the things of this world. Don't let me get distracted by those things that really don't matter. Don't let me get distracted by my kid's sports. And if my kid is better, better than your kid and my kid's an honor student and my kid's on a whole nother list altogether. Don't get distracted. Be kingdom minded and everything else will take care of itself. See, his word says, seek the kingdom and live righteously and everything, all of your needs will be taken care of. Your emotional needs, your physical needs, every need in your life, your spiritual needs, everything that you need, you will be whole in Jesus' name if you stop letting the distractions crowd out the kingdom and what he wants to do in your life. See, the enemy will try to devalue, deprioritize, and destroy and distract you from your position in the kingdom. But God wants to begin with a small, a small work that'll grow into a big harvest this morning. See, my prayer for you is that as he is planting seeds, my prayer all morning, and I've been praying since early this morning, I've been praying, God, just till the soil. God, just let there be fertile ground this morning. Let them hear. And even as, as worship was going on, I, I was just praying, God, plant seeds, plant seeds that will grow into what you have. See, I believe that God sent us here, that God has brought found life here to make a difference, not a small difference, but a huge impact on the city of Winter Garden and not just Winter Garden, but beyond into the outer parts of the world. See, I didn't come here just so that we could have a daycare. I didn't come here just so that we could have a place to gather and sing nice songs. Amen. I can do that anywhere, but I came here because I want God to use me to have an impact. My prayer for my purpose in this place, God, we can be a lot of things, but God, I want to have an impact on the world around us. I want it to be that if, if found life closed up tomorrow, that we would leave a hole in the community. That we, they would wonder where, that it wouldn't be like, oh, I didn't, I didn't miss them at all that there would be a hole in the community that we filled a need. And, and God is saying there is a place in the kingdom and there is a hole that only you can fill, that only you can fill. But see, you have to, you have to seek the kingdom first. This morning, that's my prayer for you. And it might look small. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you think, man, I, I am so far from him. You have no clue. You have no clue what I've done. You have no clue how bad I am. You have no clue all of the wrong and horrific things that I do in my life, the things that I'm planning on doing later. I stumbled in here. You have no clue what my life is like, preacher. It's going to take a whole lot more than some little prayer to change me. You're right. But what begins with a little prayer, God will grow into a relationship with him. If you'll begin small, God wants to do a big work in your life. God wants to do a big work in your life. And there are some of you, you have lived with the insecurity is that, that you will never be anything other than small. That's okay. God is saying, if you'll seek the kingdom and your purpose and your place in my kingdom, then I will do a big work through you but you gotta let go of the distractions. You gotta accept Jesus Christ. If you'll accept him, it begins with a small prayer, but leads to a big work in your life and the life of those around you. And that's my prayer for you this morning. So as we pray, I pray that you would just pray that God would give you the grace and the mercy and the strength to let the seed of his kingdom, the purpose and love that he has for you to grow into the calling that he has for your life. God has a calling for every single one of you, but we have to seek that calling above everything else. Let's pray this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I sense your presence in this room. God, as, as the atmosphere is thick, as the atmosphere is, God is, even solemn. I sense the work that you are doing, the, the work that your Holy Spirit is doing in the lives of those around you. God, I believe that you have called us here for a purpose. 
God, I believe that out of this small ministry that you are going to do big things. God, that we are going to have a big impact on the lives and those around us. God, that we are going to see salvation from this place. And God, it is not going to come from the pulpit, but it is going to come from the lives of those who are in this audience. Those who, God, who are willing to say, I will not be distracted by the things that the enemy is distracting me with. I will not allow the crowd to drown out my message, God. But I will seek first your kingdom. God, the kingdom of your, your heaven and what you want to do in the lives of those around you. God, I pray for that person who is struggling this morning that doesn't feel good enough, that can't hear the message of your love. God, I pray that you would break through. God, I pray that you would break through and let them know that you love them with an undying, everlasting love. God, that while they were sinners, while we were all yet sinners, God, you sent your son to die on a cross for us. God, that there is nothing that they could have done that would be too much or too far, that your love does not abound to them, that your love, your grace, and your mercy, that this message of hope, joy, and life everlasting does not apply to them. But God, it applies to all of us, Lord. God, I pray that right now we would choose to seek your kingdom, to not get distracted by this earth. And God, I pray that right now out of this moment that we would make a decision in our hearts. God, that no matter how many times that we fall, that Lord, that we'll get back up again with your help. That Lord, we'll, we'll come back to you. That we'll come back to your kingdom. That we'll come back to your word. God, we are not perfect. But God, that we come back to you, the one who is perfect that wants to do a perfect work in our lives. God, right now, in this moment, in this moment, let today be the day that everything changes. Let today be the moment that right now that this becomes a marked moment in our life. In every young person, God, let them know that they don't have to go into school and that the message of this world and of this life of drugs and alcohol and addiction, that it doesn't have to crowd out who you want them to be in Jesus' name. That you have got a calling for them that is above all of that and they don't have to surrender to fear and to anxiety and to peer pressure, God. But Lord, you have called them out and set them aside for a purpose that is greater, a kingdom purpose. God, for every person in this room, God, let us make a decision today to be kingdom-minded. And God, I pray that out of this moment, God, that you will grow us into a ministry that'll reach the world. In your heavenly and holy and wonderful name we pray. And if you believe that this morning, if you agree with that, would you just give him praise this morning? Would you thank him and say amen and let it be in not just in this room, but as we leave here this morning, God, will you do a work in our life?